Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I feel like you guys have raised the standard here just with what you did last year. That can carry over, right? I would assume. No, I would say we raised the standard in the eyes of you guys and the fans, but our standard has never changed. Coming in here year one, I expected to, to win every game. And that's how I go into every single game thinking, you know, I can't, I'm not going to accept losing. What gives you all the biggest confidence? You specifically the biggest confidence you guys can go back and repeat? You know, we, we have the experience now. You know, going into it last year, we knew we were good, but I think going into the playoffs, you know, we knew we could win, but we weren't really sure what it took. We just kind of went out there and played really hard and together as a team, and, you know, it worked out. Now we, we know what it takes. We have that experience in, in our back pockets going forward. That's a noticeably beefier and thicker Joe Burrow. Still, still grown up Macaulay Culkin from home alone. <laughs> but you can see it. We saw it when he walked in to the facility. He's 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 been in the lab putting the armor on trying to withstand the physical toll of a 17-game season entering year three. And, you know, Chris, I've talked to him multiple times, and he's always had that attitude. We are going to win. Our mindset is to win. And they are one of the teams. You know, they say all the time, if you aren't getting better, you're getting worse. They're one of the teams that went out and tried to get better this year, especially by addressing the biggest flaws that manifested themselves in Super Bowl 56 and that was the offensive line right that didn't buy him enough time and then on that that key moment last play from scrimmage for the Bengals when Jalen Ramsey fell down and Jamar Chase was wide open was it Chase wide yeah, open it, it was, was Chase, it was right Chase, yeah wide yeah. open down the sideline yeah and Joe Burrow didn't have time to spot him because he had Aaron Donald right in his face yeah no, I, I, I mean, listen, I think that's part of the reason he put that extra armor on that you're talking about. You know, it, it realizes, you know, one, yes, he gets hit a lot. He Even with good pass protection, he's the kind of guy that plays a little bit of a physical brand of football because he's going to move in the pocket and slide and do those type of things. And like a Mahomes or Allen, wait to the last second, you know, and then, oh, boom, there's somebody open and he'll take a hit. He will. So I, I think it's smart on that. I, smart on that aspect. The guy seems to evaluate himself, uh, self-scout thyself, you know, on the regular. That's the thing I like about Joe Burrow. Last year, we taught, you know, we got done with the year. Man, I wish his arm was a little stronger and he'd be able to make a few more throws, you know, and it changed the offense. And, you know, again, some of these great quarterbacks, they make throws that we kind of just gloss over. And I go, there's only like five or six guys in the league that can do that. Change the game today. You know, he's special that way, and he recognizes weaknesses and gets better at them. And I don't know, Mike. I mean, people look at the Bengals and everybody's like, you know, oh, it's going to be – it could be a letdown year and all that. I I just – I feel the total opposite. I do. 
You know, first off, this is a special leader, a special human being to what you're talking about. Like a Mahomes, Allen, a Herbert, the the confidence just you know exudes from them to the whole organization. And I think that that was only a jump off point last year. I really do. I think now they're going to figure out how to play and win and have the confidence, and they're going to be scary. They're they're never going to die in any game. It is very rare, though, extremely rare, that a team that loses the Super Bowl comes back to win it the next year. The Patriots did it between 52 and 53. Before that, I think it was the Dolphins 6-7, and losing to the Cowboys in 6, and then capping the undefeated season in 7. Right, and then winning in 8, too. And then winning two in a row, right. But So it it is rare, but that doesn't mean it can't happen because the Bengals are – still going to be an elite team. The problem is there's a bunch of elite teams in the AFC, and we yeah. mentioned the offensive line. Here's Burrow on his belief as to whether or not the improvements to the offensive line will allow the offense to do more than it did last year. Yeah, we'll see going into camp. You know, it's, it's early to tell. Um, you know, I'm going into it expecting that we can kind of open it up a little bit and you know, maybe throw some things in that we that we weren't able to do last year and the year the year before. But you know, we'll see. We we have a really good core group of plays that you know we know really well and that we're good at. So we're not going to abandon that. And he's got that mastery of the playbook. He's explained multiple times last year he would he would find a play, think of a play, change to a play, make something happen in a key moment. I mean, th- th- this guy has shown a wisdom and a skill and a maturity beyond his years. And he, he's look, we say it all the time. If you've got a franchise quarterback, you're going to contend every year. As long as the Bengals have Joe Burrow, they're going to be in contention. And it's weird for people to get used to it. I know they went to five straight playoffs within the past decade, but, but they didn't win a playoff game. So they never were taken seriously. You've got Joe Burrow now in Cincinnati. I think they need to be taken seriously every year. The challenge is what will they do year in and year out to put the team around him? And what will they do when the time comes for Joe Burrow to get his second contract. And what will he do? Will he be, dare I say, selfish <laughs> and try to maximize his return, or will he deliberately leave He'll cap space and cash behind? Yeah, I think he's going to be Mahomes-ish. I do. I do. I, 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 just, I feel that, and again, I'm not going to judge him if he is, you know, if he does go for every last penny. I'm not. I'm not, but I do feel. That's, wait, Mahomes is, isn't every last penny though. No, it's I don't know. Ridiculous. I think that's where, deal. that's where I think he'll go that way. Right. I think he'll go that way. I don't think he's going to go the way of ask for every last penny or do that. I, I don't feel that 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 he's that way. And maybe I'm wrong, and I won't judge him if he does go for every last penny. I, that's all good, like you said. I understand that. I do. You know, but um, I I, I, I like I agree with like what you're talking about. Like this is. This is Mahomes changing around the Kansas City vibe. You know, this is Dan Marino with the Dolphins back in the day or Elway just changing the vibe of a complete organization. And the loss just doesn't matter. He does, okay, I lost last year. Great. He doesn't, he's not going to be affected by it and let it ruin his career. He's just going to push forward and go, damn, I'm going to win it next year. I'm, I'm going to win it next year. Now, again, I don't know if they can get back to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. But I do think they're going to be one of the better teams in the sport. One, because the team is good, it's talented, there's young talent. I don't even think some of these guys have reached their peak potential yet. So they're still going on an upward trajectory. And then I think when you add that to belief, battle-tested, hey, we went into Tennessee and Kansas City, and we went to the Rams, who had a defensive line that we couldn't block, and damn, we were up the whole second half of the football game. So I think that's only going to just uh, give them confidence and make them a, a really tough out when it comes playoff time. I think the closest comparisons when you consider the history before the player arrived. Yeah, who is it? I think it would be maybe a Joe Montana. Yeah, okay. Because the 49ers were nothing. Right. Especially Super Bowl era. Right. Nothing Super Bowl era. Right. And then Montana changes everything. And they were among the dregs of the NFL. And maybe the Bills. Sure. I mean, the Bills weren't horrible. We get Jim Kelly and it changes everything. Definitely. I hear you. Um, yeah, those are good so ones. So, it's you know, yeah. it's like... The Broncos have been to a Super Bowl before Elway. I know, you're right. The Miami um, was you know, good the, in the 70s. I got you. And even though, and even though the Bengals have been to a couple Super Bowls, that was that was like a lifetime ago. They had been so bad after their most recent Super Bowl appearance before last year, and then there's just that 30 plus years without winning a playoff game. They they just were regarded as you know, it's kind of like what would happen if the Lions did it. 
It's it's kind of almost to the same extent. Lions yeah. or Browns, one of these teams where they they've been doormat status sooner than later in the past, and this is a guy who comes in and changes everything, just everything. And I think it's hard for people to get used to it. And that's what's going to be interesting this year. Will teams truly have the target on the backs of the Bengals? Will they benefit from their own history and that people still can't get that, you know, oh, it's the Bengals. This is a this is a, a measuring stick game for us. There's so many measuring sticks in the AFC. We talked last week about the Bengals being behind the Ravens and the Browns in the betting odds for the AFC North crown. Ravens and Browns at plus 200, Bengals at plus 210. It's not a huge difference, but maybe they benefit, Chris. You know, in a normal year, yeah. it'd be like, hey, hey, we're going to prove ourselves by kicking the crap out of the Bengals. This year in the AFC, you just prove yourself by not drowning. <laughs> yeah, you're, there's going to be those type of challenges every week. You're right. There is. It's, it's for, for teams in the AFC, yes, most weeks, to your point, are going to be, oh, man, this team and that quarterback's coming into town this week. Oh, man, this team and we got to go play that quarterback this week. I and mean, that's where I, I can't wait for the season itself. And, yeah, there's it's like it's like the, it is weird. You're, it's like them – Kansas City, Buffalo. I, I think there's like there's three teams that, I, and, and even maybe even Tennessee, you could throw in there that have like a target on their back of being like that kind of team. Because even though you look at the Bengals and go, they went to the Super Bowl. I still think enemy of the people number one in the AFC will be Mahomes and the Chiefs. I still think that'll be the team that most teams are looking at to go. We got to beat them and be better than them to get to the Super Bowl. I know Tyree Kill's gone, but damn, the the Chiefs killed it this offseason too. And then people are crazy to think they're going to fall off earth because they don't have Tyree Kill when they win every game he doesn't play the last few years, basically, except for like one. Uh, so I, th- that's where it is a little different to your point, Mike, than, than maybe other Super Bowl teams. I don't know if you saw the video of Patrick Beverly. We're going to actually talk about oh, basketball first. I love it. I've been watching the difference him. in the preparation when playing Chris Paul versus Steph Curry. Chris Paul, go out and have a nice steak dinner, drink some wine, sweat out any hangover in the shoot-around. Steph Curry, go to bed at 8 o'clock, turn the phone <laughs> yeah. off, nobody bother me. Right, right, right. This year in the AFC, it's Steph Curry every damn week. Yeah, right. So right. that benefits the Bengals. In a normal year, the Bengals are the go-to-bed-at-8 team and the other teams are the go out and have steak and wine. But you're going to have to be buttoned up every week to thrive or survive in the AFC. So in a roundabout way, that does help the Bengals. They don't stand out yes, the way that a right. defending conference champion usually would. No, I think that that's exactly right. They don't stand out that way. They're not, they're not you know. The, Everybody's talking about the Bills and Chiefs still. That's what I mean. That's where they're, they're not the biggest threat, I feel like, to most people in the media or the league. I think most teams look at the Chiefs and Josh Allen still and go, oh, I, I feel like, I, I, again, I'm not going to throw names out there, but I don't know how many people I've talked to in football that go, man, the Bills must be kicking themselves all offseason. The, the, oh, the Bills, the Bills would have won the Super Bowl if they won that game. They would have won the Super Bowl. They, 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 I mean, that would have been the worst matchup for the Rams because it would have been Josh Allen running around and doing all that in that D-line, and their O-line was a little bit better. So, yes, I mean, to your point, I think Look at where the Bengals are on that graphic. That is crazy. Look at where they are. My eyes were like, where are, are they? The where Cowboys are they? Cowboys ahead of them. What? That is insane. Yes, that's insane. Hey, 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 uh, hey Bengals. You know, we talked earlier about uh, <laughs> shutting out the noise unless you don't. Hey, hey, Joe Burrow. Uh, hey, anybody with the Bengals, print that out and put that everywhere. Yeah, right. In the in, put that everywhere. You're allowed to have it in the building now. Points betting is official uh, sports book partner of the National Football League. Print that out and put it <laughs> everywhere. That is unbelievable to me. The Chargers higher than the Bengals. The Broncos. How are th- I, this? Still is astounding to me. Three teams from the AFC West have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Bengals. Right. Get out of here with that. Right. At least at least yeah. the Browns and the Ravens aren't on there ahead of them. No, I, I know. <laughs> but I think it it speaks to the broader the broader point you're making, that people still kind of look at it as the Bengals. People still think it was like a flash in the pan. And it's not. 
It's just not. It's good it helps. It helps. It does Don't help. Don't be upset about it, Bengals fans. It's like the Lions having all their games at 1 o'clock. It helps. It lets you fly under the radar, but also it's going to help guys get a chip on their shoulder. It is going to help the Bengals achieve whatever they're trying to achieve this year. Yeah, it, it will. It definitely will. And I think with you know a guy like Joe Burrow leading the charge. And then again, you just look at the team. You know, the O-line's going to be better. How good? I don't know. We'll see during training camp, like Joe Burrow said. But their offense on paper – I mean, last year it was close to this. So now you think with the offensive line, you know, they might have the ability to be a little bit like Kansas City where the offense can be so elite and such a great unit that they're going to play teams and teams are going to go, damn, we, we got to play a different way this week. We can't think we're just going to, like – play defense and win the game 20 to 17 this is joe burrow and jamar chase they're gonna score 28 or 30 we we gotta we gotta play different game game this week i i think they're borderline getting to that area of talent and then of course the defense is no slouch either to go you better watch out with these guys i mean they're big play like we saw all year we called them the big play Bengals, and that happened in the super bowl against the most physically gifted defense in the whole league yeah, unbelievable, and these highlights just underscore. Number one, it's so weird to see the Bengals in that setting and to see it is. And, you know, as you said last year, those helmets that you've hated yeah. ever since they started using them, they look a hell of a lot Kinda better cool now. when I you don't got know. Joe Burrow and company <laughs> yeah. inside of them. He suffered a knee injury in the second half of Super Bowl 56, and it looked bad, and it's probably the kind of thing that would have knocked him out of the game and knocked him out for, you know, a couple of weeks we, we never got a crystal clear diagnosis. I think it was an MCL thing. Yeah. He uh, he has removed the knee brace. He's feeling great. Here he is yesterday with some more specifics on physically how he's doing in the aftermath of getting the knee banged up in Super Bowl 56. Yeah, I mean, I feel great. You know, obviously, this is my first offseason in the NFL, so I've, you know, been able to, to take advantage of, the, of that with as far as my body and my throwing and my mind and all that. It's been... You know, obviously I've been grinding, but it's also been relaxing, not have to worry about am I going to be ready for the season. I can just focus on you know, getting my body right, making sure I'm healthy, and then relaxing. Is practicing without a knee brace significant? Yeah, it's fun. I didn't like. I don't really like wearing that thing, uh, so it's it's good to have that off. You go play with one, or is this is that a thing of the past? To be determined. Um, you know, maybe I don't anticipate wearing it, but maybe you get to game day and and feel a little more comfortable having it on. So we'll see. I know Tom Brady's a big believer in having that knee brace on, especially that plant leg, right? Yeah, no um, question. It's, but, yeah. Uh, hey, the, the guys, the guy, I, I got to give him a ton of credit. You know, he suffered the torn ACL in November of his rookie year. That's why he said that this is his first real offseason because last year it was November and he spent the entire offseason rehabbing and getting himself ready. And we thought there were going to be real issues about whether he'd be ready. Remember, they were they had him in bubble wrap in the preseason. Is the knee going to be? And he's he. The guy is fearless. The guy uh, has no regard for his physical well-being, and I I say that is mostly a compliment. At some yeah. point, you need to have yeah, you, you need, need to, to protect right. yourself a little bit. But he he he'll I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna try to achieve what we're trying to achieve. And if I get injured along the way, so be it. But I'm not gonna worry about it. And he's always been that way. Yeah, no, he has. Yeah, I, I love it about him. I do. They just yeah, be careful. You know, again, we don't want to see like we like we've talked about with Deshaun Watson in the past or other great quarterbacks. Not every play has to be the last play of the game, and you got to put your body in you know these awkward positions just to get a four yard completion and then maybe get hurt. You know, hopefully he can learn that way. But man, I would think. You know, the knee brace, that'll be interesting, too. Uh, maybe he just goes with, like, one of those sleeve knee braces or whatever. But I would think that's going to be a different Joe, too. You know, that's another another area. Joe Burrow's going to be better this year. He's going to be even more athletic. And he's played football, more football and experience. And now he's got the confidence of going, I can go to the Super Bowl. And you know what? Even though we lost, I know we can win. We were this close, and we had the like one of the, the more poor offensive lines in, in the history of the Super Bowl. So uh, his, his I don't even know what he want to say, stubbornness, drive, whatever it is, is infectious, and it's hard not to root for him and the Bengals because of it. It really continues to be a golden age of quarterbacks. Even though we've seen some retire in recent years, Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees, you've still got Tom Brady. You've still got 
Aaron Rodgers. You've still got Russell Wilson, and you got all these young guys. Some of them not so young anymore. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Incredible. I'm leaving guys out. Incredible how many great quarterbacks there are in the NFL, and uh, it, it, it makes the season wide open, and that's great. This is exactly what Pete Rozelle wanted. He did not want an NFL that was dominated by a handful of teams, and you knew that it was going to be the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Raiders. Yeah, Steelers, Cowboys, Raiders. He wanted more, and here we are, and it's exciting. It's got to be, you know, as a, if you're, if you're a, an ardent fan of one of these teams, it's got to be frustrating because there's going to be some weird fluky factor that screws it all up for you that causes you to fall off, and you will be kicking yourself yeah. for the entire offseason saying we could have won the Super Bowl. How many different teams could say that? The, the Packers could, say, could be saying it. The 49ers could be saying it. The Buccaneers could be saying it. That's just in the NFC. In the AFC, the Chiefs could be saying it. The Titans could be saying it. The, the Bills. Bills could be saying oh, there's there, uh, More than a fourth of the league yeah. could have spent the offseason in torment legitimately believing they could have won the Super Bowl. I No, I know. You're exactly right. I, I think that's what's going to make an amazing season here is the fact that the quarterbacks, like we talked about, you got the quarterbacks of the AFC and the teams of the NFC, and that's where I'm going to be a little bit more. It's going to be interesting, too. I know, I, I, I know I've made this point before, but I, I still look at the teams like the 49ers, but they have a quarterback question, uh, the Bucks. And even the Rams, who have maybe not quite to the same extent because they lost a few guys and OBJ's not back yet or whatever. I don't know where that goes. Yeah, Bobby Wagner I, and Allen Rodgers. I know, but they got him too. Exactly right. I forgot. Yeah. So you're right. So the, I look at that. Some of the like that's going to be a good experiment. Is it going to be the quarterbacks or is it going to be more of the, you know, the teams in the NFC that emerge as the champion here? And uh, I tend to go towards the teams more times than not. Well, the quarterback gets you in the conversation. It does. But the team – the, somebody other than the quarterback is going to cement the championship. Yes. Defense wins championship, but defense doesn't get you in contention. Quarterback gets you in contention, and defense at the right time is what's going to win you the championship. Yes, right. Exactly right. You need – if you got the quarterback – hey, the quarterback can only do so much. There's got to be something there for the team to help out in a certain moment or something like you're talking about. No question. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see – you know, where that goes. I mean, again, I know we have examples of the other way around, and we were close to, I think, seeing an example last year. The Rams were the better team. They got hurt in the Super Bowl a little bit, and then the Bengals and the quarterback over there almost won. And, of course, you know, you might be able to argue with the Chiefs against the 49ers a few years ago. 49ers might have been the better team. Might not have been by a whole lot, but that's where the Mahomes factor came in and said, eh, you're not quite as good as us because I'm so great, even though your team is better than us, I put us over the top, and we scored 20 points in the last four minutes of a game and got a Super Bowl ring. All right, let's, get, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue to work our way up the Chris Sims 2022 Top 40 Quarterback Countdown with number 34 and number 33. And I don't like to give spoilers, but I will tell you this. Joe Burrow is not one of the two. <laughs> yeah. It will be, be unveiling today. We'll <laughs> yeah. do that next on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. All right, uh, top 40 countdown. There, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six so far. We're up to 34 and 33. Let's unveil number 34. And this one surprised me, but I guess it shouldn't because he has proven he can get it done. It, it's a number little. 34. Yeah. Ty, yeah. Ravens backup. Right. Tyler Huntley. Yes. Chris. Boom. Yeah. But where's the. Willie? Boy, he doesn't even have a graphic. Oh, good. Tyler, they, they got Tyler. evil. They he, got evil Tyler. Chris Sims out of the wow. way. That's what's good. I like evil wow. Roger Goodell picture. Tyler, there. Hey, Tyler, you haven't. You've done some some pretty good things in the NFL, but you haven't done enough to get yourself your own Chris Sims quarterback countdown graphic. But, but Tyler Huntley does come in at number 34. Yes, yes. You know, again, hey, there's more than one way to skin a cat, all right? Or I don't even know if that's the proper way to say it or if I'm using that proper. But just I because – you are. Okay, good. Just because he's not – I don't know why anyone would skin a cat. I know. It's a weird one. But there one. are more than one ways to skin a exactly, cat. Exactly, right. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, he, he's not necessarily the traditional pocket passer. But Tyler Huntley, first off, comes in last year, and could it be any tougher? I mean – 
oh, we're in the playoff conversation and we got to play like the best teams in football down the stretch and I got to kind of play good to help our team win. And oh yeah, the offensive line's beat up and we don't really have a running game. Oh, okay, awesome, great. And you don't have a marquee wide receiver to really talk to, uh, throw to, throw to either. So he comes in and listen, he, he popped to me. He did during the season and when I went back and looked at this list, he really popped to me there too. He can play in the pocket. He's a good decision maker. In fact, I'm not going to lie, a little bit towards the end of the season, I went, man, I'm not sure if he's not making better decisions than Lamar Jackson, who was going through a little bit of a cold spot, you know, before he got hurt against Cleveland. He can make big throws within the pocket. He'll stand in there. He will push the ball down the field. You can see here, he's got a good arm. It's not great, but it's better than some of the other guys we've talked about. His arm's better than Gardner Minshew or, or Davis Mills, who he's ahead of here. And then... You know, so here you're seeing precision passing, Packers, best team in football. And then again, this has to be part of the conversation with the modern-day 2022 quarterback. Yeah, he can bring this to your offense. Every offense has these plays in the football now. So not only can he do that, but this is where it really is. Get out of the pocket, high-level throw, back in the end zone. I mean, he is really good on the move and not looking just to move to move. As you see here, he is trying to stay in the pocket and throw the ball, okay, I couldn't do it, the pressure kept coming, here I go, let me break seven ankles and go get you know, a 15-yard gain running the football. He brings something to their football team. He does have a leadership and an attitude aspect about him that's, you know, I don't know going to say Lamar Jackson-ish, but it's, it's not far off. But they're in good hands there in Baltimore with what they got. They got the guy that they can run the same offense like we talked about all the time, Mike, with the backup quarterback, and he can win them some games. He struggled in that last game against Pittsburgh a little bit, but damn, he played a lot of good defenses this year in some tough situations for his first experience ever, and I think this guy's only going upwards. And look, we say it all the time, you need to have a backup quarterback who has the same skill set as your starter. So that if the starter's injured, it's a seamless transition for your playbook, for the other 10 offensive players. It isn't some dramatic difference in how the offense is going to be operated. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Have you seen enough from Tyler Huntley? Right. That that to the extent that the Ravens continue to have this issue where Lamar Jackson won't engage them in contract discussions, he's a year away from the franchise tag dance. Some people think maybe he wants to play that game and ultimately go somewhere else. Who knows? He pushed back against that, but we don't know what he's doing or why he's doing it. Would Huntley be an alternative for them? Would I, he be a viable alternative if they say, you know what, we've tried – for years to get Lamar Jackson to take our money. We'll give our money to Tyler Huntley instead, and we know we'll give Tyler Huntley a lot less yeah. than what we were going to give Lamar Jackson. Dollar for dollar, is it a viable alternative to go with Huntley? I don't think – I think, like, again, Lamar's special, as we know. But I do think this guy's good enough where if they went, oh, wait, like Lamar's asking for too much money or it's crazy or – I, we can't go this way, and they're going to eventually part ways. I don't think Tyler Huntley is going to be the issue that's going to scare them to go, you know what, let's just pay him, pay him the money. I think they're going to go, damn, we, we got a guy here that he can play ball. He's smart. He can read the field. He can throw ball. He can run and scramble and do things off schedule that way. You know, so I don't think they're going to be scared to do that. I think that, that what we saw last year would only give them confidence, really. I mean, you got again playing the better teams in football, some of the better defenses in football, and he shined in a lot of moments. So I, I wouldn't think they're scared to do that. And again, here, this guy, it's you know, again, I I know like people look at this and go, oh, you only played a few games. How did you put him in front of some other guys? You know, because my experience tells me there's tremendous growth with these type of players. You know, between you know a year of playing and now the next year in the league, and where you go from that point. And to me, that's where I think he'll continue to grow, and we're going to see that in the preseason. And he does have a chance to maybe be a starter in the NFL at some point, you know, maybe after he gets out of this contract in Baltimore. Um, I, hey, we, we've seen it before where a guy makes his bones as a backup and then gets his opportunity. He didn't come into the league as a heralded top pick and and take the league by storm that way it's a delayed reaction when he finally gets his chance but that chance may come in Baltimore we'll see how it goes a guy who may be getting his latest chance to be a starting quarterback is in Seattle he comes in at number 33 he was a second round pick of the New York Jets back in 2013 Geno Smith higher than Drew Locke Drew Locke was 40 
Smith is 33. Are you suggesting yeah. that Geno Smith should be the week one starter I am. as the Seahawks move forward without Russell Wilson? I, I definitely am. I mean, barring something that just goes crazy in the, in the preseason, but yes. You know, Geno Smith, uh, again, he's been disrespected because, okay, he got punched in the chin with the Jets, and, you know, the Jets are dysfunctional. Hey, guess what? The Jets, it didn't work out there. Him and 900,000 other guys, you know, before this new era of Jets here, it didn't work out. So stop blaming. Everybody blames him on that. Then everybody blamed. Then he went to the Giants, which is probably the worst po- po- point of his career. And he, they benched Eli for him. And he played probably one of the best games of the year at quarterback for the Giants. But they lost, and people just blamed Geno. And they were mad that Eli's streak happened because of Geno. So he's gotten put in this, like, this spot of like just nobody wants to respect him or like him. He's big. He moves well. He has a really damn good arm. And he knows how to play a little bit. There's no doubt. I'm one to sit here and tell you, just let me just say this banner statement. Russell Wilson rushed back. You know why? Because he was going, damn, this guy's kind of playing good. I'd like to get back. They would have won more games if they stayed with Geno Smith because Russell, he did rush back, and he wasn't good when he came back. I mean, it was not good for about three, four weeks there with Russell Wilson. Geno, again, thrown in a tough spot, not a great offense. KS can manage games, but can manage games plus. You know, like we talked about in that Rams game we saw, the Pittsburgh second half there, you know, the Jaguars game. I mean, he can make throws and put things into tight windows where you go, wow, that's that's better than your normal backup quarterback right there. So opportunity and the right situation has been Geno Smith's issue. He's just been off this list a number of years where he's always at 41, 42, kind of dancing around. And, hey, got on the field last year, and I got to see, hey, there is growth. And the kid is still good, and he does have talent, and that's why I put him right here. And Pete Carroll has said on multiple occasions he enters the competition as the lead guy because of his experience in the offense with the team. Drew Locke is going to have to beat him out. And so many people just assume it's going to be Drew Locke or somebody else. It very well could be Geno Smith. I think he showed enough last year when Russell Wilson was injured. And I think that Pete Carroll would relish – even more than with Drew Locke, the opportunity to win with Geno Smith, the number two to Russell Wilson last year and the year before that, that would, if if the Seahawks could somehow find a way to the playoffs with Geno Smith, then Pete Carroll would feel like he scored a victory, especially if the Broncos can't make it out of the AFC West to the playoff picture there. And I, and I think that that's, that's going to fascinate Pete Carroll and maybe make him skew toward Geno Smith. You know, we were talking about Geno Smith the other day. Yeah. And I remembered there was something weird that happened at one point, and I said something about him not being ready to play. It was with the Jets in 2013. They were in Southern California, and he remember he had an issue with his phone or the time zone. Oh, and he right. missed a meeting. Yep. Remember that? Right. That's what it was. And then he got benched in that game, and Mike Vick came in, and Vick wasn't ready to play. That's what it was. Vick didn't take the scout team seriously, wasn't right. putting in the work. And so the, I was getting it. It was I, I knew there was something yeah. Yeah. along the lines of not being ready to play. It was Vick who wasn't ready to play when Smith got benched, and Smith was already in the doghouse because he had – he had an issue where he missed a meeting because of a time zone yeah. mishap because yeah. they were, I think, I guess they stayed out there the whole week between games. All right. Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Because I still don't know what Drew Brees is going to do. Although we wrote something yesterday based upon reporting from Peter King and from Ed Werder that Brees had shoulder surgery yes. May 2nd and he won't be ready to play until September or October. Well, last time I checked the calendar, the first games in September, would, would you have Brees higher than any of the guys that we've – I know that – I'm asking that cold and you I haven't know. broken it down. Would you put him higher than any of the guys that you've installed from 40 to 33? Mm. <clears throat> yes, I would. <clears throat> I would. You know, it, it's the, – the, 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 the point you got to – that's tough with, with Drew Brees is, you know, again, he's, he's going to know how to manage the offense, do things the right way, move the ball, be smart that way. You know, the, what you got to balance is, though – is he going to make as many plays maybe as a Geno Smith or Tyler Huntley that's going to help you win the game in that? That's, that would be the question I have. But I think, you know, even sitting here at this point, it depends on the offense too. I will say that. You know, again, if you're in an offense that you want to push the ball down the field and maybe move the quarterback a little bit more, I'd go, I don't know if you, Drew Brees is better than some of these guys. So it's it's a tough one there. But I think – 
you know, yes, for the most part, I'd pr- I probably would still. With just his experience and knowing how to play, yes, I probably would put him in front of these guys. If you put him in an offense that matches his skill set, yes. he's always a guy that's going to color within the lines and take what he can do and not try to do things he can't do. I, I think I think that if he wanted to do it, he could still do it. He'd yeah. have to really yeah. commit himself to it, and he'd have to rehab the shoulder. And that's why I don't I don't I'm not ready to just write it off as a joke. He's probably not going to do it, but if he wanted to do it, I think he could. I, I I don't disagree. He's in good shape still. I mean, he is. He's still been working out, lifting weights. He looks good when I you know when when I see him and I saw him all year. So yes, there is that. You know, there's no doubt about it. But I, I think he's not hey, eating chicken tenders and French fries on Sunday. No, he's definitely not. But yes, could he go out there Unlike and complete some. passes? I mean, what what were his stats the last year? 27, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. I got to look. It's something like that. So he obviously can. But the big thing I think would be with him is kind of what we saw. You know, just can he make some of the big plays you need to against the NFL elite teams to get you over the edge to win that big game or the playoff game or whatever? Uh, that would be maybe my question of, of Drew Brees at this point in the career, and I, I certainly don't mean to be disrespectful about an all-time great. Twelve games in 2020. Remember he had uh, – was that the thumb injury year? That was the th- – one year was a thumb and one it was something else. He had 11 games in 2019 and 12 in 2020. He had 2,942 yards in 12 games in his final NFL season. Yeah. So uh, – and a 70.5 completion percentage, 74.3 leading the league the year before that. So, you know, he's a guy that is going to be a master of the short passing game, the underneath stuff. You take it for granted. That's where Jameis Winston struggled last year. Yes. You take it for granted. Drew Brees runs that portion of the offense with surgical precision. And that's what makes me believe get the ball in his hands, get rid of the ball fast, get it to the guy underneath and move the offense that way. And when you think about it, when he doesn't have the ability to push the safeties deep, because they know the deep ball isn't there, and he's still, he's still with all those bodies toward the yeah, line. Right, he can still run that offense with surgical precision. Yeah, I, I think, I think if he really wanted to do it, he could do it. Now, most of the seats are full, but I could start rattling off teams that say, "Sorry, sorry, Gino, sorry, Sam, sorry, Tua, but uh, we've had a change of plans." Yeah, uh, sorry, Tua, on. Let's take a break. <laughs> uh, more PFT live right after this. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Drop a ball, you run a mile. <laughs> you drop a ball, There's you run a, a mile. OBJ with his three-month-old son, Zayden. There was a question as to whether or not Baby was going to be born during Super Bowl 56. That ultimately did not happen. The last we saw of OBJ, he was the best offensive player on the field for the I Rams. Heartbreak. Until that ACL went. And... Uh, um. You know, he's he's still working to get it back. Second straight year he's had to rehab from an ACL. Let's have a listen, Chris. Sean McVay, coach of the Rams, talking about the possibility of Beckham being back in L.A. Really want Odell back on our team. Um, he's a guy that in a short amount of time we were able to develop a really special relationship. I thought he brought a great spark to our team. I thought he played really well. He's a great teammate. He, I, We all know what a charisma and a presence that he has, but – he is truly a great teammate, made so many impactful plays. Um, it was a shame to see him go down in that game, but, man, he sure still made an impact with those two catches that he did have. And uh, without a doubt, want to get Odell back here. And, um, you know, that's the goal and continuing to work towards a solution of, of him re-signing with the Rams. If he comes back, he won't be wearing number three. Cam Akers has claimed that number. That was his original plan last year before he was injured. Beckham wore three. He'd need a different jersey. That's not a big deal. The question is, how do you strike the balance if you're the Rams between showing proper loyalty and appreciation to Odell Beckham Jr. for what he did last year and protecting yourself against the possibility that he may not be ready for a while? Yeah. You know, are, are you just giving away free money to a guy who isn't going to be ready at all this year? 
or maybe not until the postseason. And through it all, are you risking that someone else is going to swoop in and try to get him? If people start to catch wind of the fact that, hey, he's, 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 he's almost back, he's getting there, the Rams need to move at the right time because there's a chance somebody else is going to wake up and say, we're going to go get OBJ. Yeah, they got to They do have to worry about that. I, I feel like these two are a match made in heaven, though. I do. And I think there's been a I, – I, listen, I'm not going to say I think. I know for a fact that OBJ has wanted the Rams for a long time and Sean McVay and the Rams have wanted OBJ for a long time. I know for a fact. And it, then they got together, and it was like, oh, my gosh, we really like each other. This is – we were meant to be. Uh, I think Odell likes living out there. And then I think everything you heard, McVeigh, it's same things he told me the week I was there, two weeks before the Super Bowl. Same things I heard before that. They didn't have a guy on offense that had, like, you know, juice or energy. You know, the, Cooper Cup and Stafford, they're not really like that. The defense was full of it with Ramsey and Aaron Donald, and they had that. Odell brought, I think, a new energy to the offensive side of the ball that I think everybody on their team saw great value in, let alone the talent. So that's where he's special. And, yeah, Mike, I don't know. Like, is it a contract where you give, you know, uh, in-game roster, you know, roster bonuses a little bit and just, again, set up, you know, little markers of, hey, you get this many catches or you play this many games, a little bit like last year where it's, you know, maybe some team-oriented things to also give him a little bit more money. Hey, and make remember it last year it was all team. Right, last I year, know. The, all right. the incentives were based on team accomplishments, and he hit all of them. Yeah. You, you introduce a potentially unhealthy motivation if it goes to when the it's driven by stats. catches. Yeah. Because yeah. I got to be on the field. I got to get my catches. That's one of the reasons Antonio Brown was getting sideways with the Buccaneers last year because his incentives were tied to catches. You need to be on the field having the ball thrown your way. So this is not easy for the Rams, or they already would have done it. And uh, the risk they take is that Beckham will lose patience and just pivot to someone else. And just as a matter of principle, I've given you people X number of months to try to do this deal. And I'm done. I'm done waiting. You've had your chance. I'm done waiting. You know, you've, you've slow played it and you've soft pedaled it and you want to wait and see if I'm going to be healthy. I'm sorry. I'm going to go here, there, or wherever. The problem is who's out there that's trying to get him. I think there are teams that maybe should be exploring it aggressively, like the Green Bay Packers, yeah, right. like the Buffalo Bills. Sure. You know, I remember last year I said, hey, if the Bills had made the move for Von Miller and OBJ, yeah. maybe they'd be the ones who won right. the Super Bowl after all. Yeah, we said a lot of times at the end of this la- the regular season last year, we felt like the Bills were one big-time player away. You know, they were. There's no doubt about it. They were a big time player away. They just they were they had to rely on one guy to make too many big time plays all the time. Uh, be, it, it, it's it's a really interesting conversation. And and with OBJ, he's got to be careful here too. This is one where if I was you know talking to him, I'd go, hey, let's make it about you. Got to be comfortable. You got to play good again. You got to get healthy again here. Let's not worry about every last dollar in the world. Let's just get healthy and get going. Show everybody how awesome you are at the end of the season playoffs. And then we worry about big money after that. That, that would be the, what I would try to be saying to him. And, and again, I, I think he understands the situation. I don't think he'll be too impatient with the Rams because, hey, I think he has a house out there. He, he wants to be out there. So I think he'll give them every last right to kind of make it happen. It is just damn unfortunate. Gosh. It happened yeah. to him. He was going to MVPville. He, he was on the cusp of setting himself up for a major contract, and the ACL went, and, uh, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and so you do it again. All right, let's build it back up. Let's have a great postseason run, and let's hope like hell we don't tear an ACL in Super Bowl 57 if they get that far. It's just it's, it's a shame, and the Rams should take care of him. They should find a way to take care of him for what he did, and I know you don't pay guys for what they did, but Howie Roseman last week on PFTPM talked about the message you send to your locker room. I think it sends a powerful message to the Rams' locker room that they find a way to take care of a very popular player who uh, did a lot to help get that team players over love the top him. last year. Yes, you're that's right. right. Players they, love they, they need to be they need to be they, they need to be careful about that, and they need they can't wait so long that he says. See you later. Maybe I'll go to only, Green Bay or Kansas City or whatever. Yeah, I know. I know. And and only the players know what's being texted among them. 
if Les Snead and or Sean McVay were smart about this, they'd try to find out exactly what the vibe is from OBJ with some of his teammates. Because, you know, he'll communicate differently with the teammates than he will with the bosses. And uh, how close are we getting? How close yeah, are we getting right. to pushing this beyond the point of no return? They'd be very smart to know the answer to that question. Uh, it's the point of no return for DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season. He is suspended for a PED violation. Larry Fitzgerald, a future Hall of Famer, has publicly said in recent days that Hopkins is still a Hall of Famer despite the PED suspension. Well, look, I don't think he's done enough to get to the Hall of Fame yet. I think he's got more work to do. I'm with you. But even then, even then, he's got this stain now that that will be attached to him. And when it's him versus others in whatever year he would be in consideration, it's going to be hard to wash that stain off because the other contenders aren't going to have that. It's going to set him apart in a negative way, so it's going to make it harder for him to get in. I, I Agreed. I, I mean, first off, I, I think your first comment is right. I, I'm not sure. He, I'm not sure. Larry Fitzgerald, is he's a great guy. He's not going to ever say anything controversial or mean. He's not, and he's still involved with the Cardinals and around there a lot. So, again, as much as I want to go, hey, Larry said that, and boom – you know, Larry's a good guy and not going to ruffle feathers, and, and, and I want to say that too, just to add to that. You know, I'm not sure DeAndre Hopkins is a Hall of Famer even without this. I've, I'm not ready to say that. In the passing era where we are now, you know, again, you know, he's, you're not going to say he's the best wide receiver of this era or even this last decade that we had. He's been really good. I know that. And he's a phenomenal football player. But I'm not ready to go to Hall of Fame. And then when you add this to it, definitely not. I mean, you know me, Mike. I, I, I like DeAndre Hopkins a lot. I know he's a cool dude. But damn, I mean, I'm just I'm, – I just the, – the PED thing is a – it's it's I I won't vote for you for it. I won't. You're just you're not getting in once you've done that for me. If I was voting, and I know I have no vote, but I I'm, I'm not doing it. Well, and the reality is, the way the process works, it's not just receivers. It's receivers and quarterbacks and running backs and offensive linemen, defensive line. Everybody's in the bucket together, and it whittles down from nominees to semifinalists to finalists. It's it's this. By the time you get to the end you are going to stand out in a very bad light in comparison to the others because the others are going to be clean. The others are going to be clean because rarely, rarely do you see a high-profile player get popped anyway. It's going to be harder for him to get in. He's right now 43rd on the all-time receiving yardage list with 10,581 yards, and they're very packed together. Yeah, He's only 2,500 yards away from being in the top 20. Yeah, That's how packed together they right. are from 20 to 43. So, you know, in a few years, he could start creeping in that direction, but, but this is going to drag him down. And he's going to miss six games this year at six opportunities. That's, you know, potentially six, 700 yards if he had, you know, decent games week in and sure. week out. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. And you're right, Larry Fitzgerald is – Nice guy, too nice of a guy, too much of a politician, too, too careful about everything he says. He's always been that way. He has. And he's as a fine. result, you know what? You know what? He's, he's not interesting. Nice guy. Well, you're just not going to always He never says anything it. interesting. Right. He, yeah. Or you're never going to listen to it. No. I, he, did that, he did that podcast with Tom Brady and Jim Gray last year where uh, yeah. the let's go and they would have the Brady component, the Fitzgerald component. And I know Brady was making news on a regular basis. Cause he was still playing and Fitzgerald wasn't the only news Fitzgerald ever made was co continuing to say he's not playing this year. You just never, it's, just, it's, it's, if, if you're going to worry about people being mad at what you say, you are never going to say anything interesting. And that's, that's Larry Fitzgerald's problem. He, he it never wants to say anything that's going to make anyone upset. So he's never going to say anything interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's where it is. And hey, it's fine to be that way. He doesn't want to be controversial. He's not looking to go into that line of you know work or or anything like that. That that's fine. I got no issues. You don't with have that. to try to be controversial. No, I know. Just but say what you think. I know, but you know, again, I I think he's yeah, he's guarded. He's probably got a relationship with DeAndre Hopkins, and you know, again, the Cardinals and all that. So it gets to a point with you know some superstar guys like a Larry Fitzgerald or a Brady or some of those, and that's why it's going to be interesting with Brady and Fox and all of that. Is yeah, they're they're always worried about you know how it's going to look and feelings. So when then when they do say something. There, there's sometimes no merit to it because you're like, ah, you know, who cares? I mean, I've, I've got 27 other examples of him kind of saying, you know, 
other BS over here that I know is not exactly true or he doesn't really think that behind the scenes. And that's where it loses merit. I, I think it's easier to criticize coaching decisions than it is to criticize players. Definitely. And I think that yeah. that's – so So I think if there's criticism of the players, I think Brady's going to find a way to shade it toward, well, he wasn't properly prepared for this situation. Right, they shouldn't and have put him the in this situation. Have told him. Right, right. Here's what they should have told him. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a way to do it where you're not criticizing the abilities of the player, you're criticizing the preparation – that was put into getting the player ready to make the right decision at the right time and perform the right way. Let's go ahead. Oh, well, let's not take a break. Let's just add, since we're talking about receivers, Antonio Brown tweeted recently that he wants to retire as a Steeler, doesn't want to play, wants to retire. Now, I don't know that that means he's ready to retire now, but remember, he needs ankle surgery. And he said at one point in the offseason, he's not going to get the ankle surgery until somebody signs him and makes a commitment. Well, A.B., they're not going to make the commitment until you get yourself healthy. What team is going to make a commitment to a guy who was walking through the door as damaged goods and they don't know whether or not he's going? You got to pass a physical. I don't, I don't even understand I, that stance. How are, you gonna pa- how are you going to pass a physical if you need this surgery? So I, it, it's, I, think, I think that he's, just, he's, he's had enough. He's had it, right. He's had enough, and this is his way of walking away. And this tweet from the other day is a sign that he's thinking that yeah, obviously it's is. over. Right, It's over, and it's right. done, and he moves on to other things. He's going on tour this summer. He's got an album out, and then he's moving on to other things. We move on. He's going on tour? To, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, he's going on tour. He's going to be in Pittsburgh. Wow. Buy front row tickets. I'll wait for him to invite me. Backstage pass. <laughs> Good luck. He hasn't blocked me on Twitter. There was some media people commiserating yesterday about being blocked by AB. He hasn't blocked me on Twitter wow, yet. Wow, good. I, good I, for I, you. I better, step up. I better step up my game. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. When we return, a couple of new and important Deshaun Watson developments. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. There's no court order in place preventing the lawyers in the Deshaun Watson litigation from sharing with media any, some, or all of the deposition transcripts generated in the case. So, yesterday, on USA Today, there was a story that traced directly to Tony Busby, who represents the 22 individuals who have sued Deshaun Watson. Watson, while testifying under oath last week, admitted that Ashley Solis, that's the first of the 22 plaintiffs who went public, she cried at the end of the massage. He texted her an apology. He was grilled about that. He admitted that she cried. I don't think that fact was in dispute, but he admitted she cried. He claimed he didn't know what it was about. And that's what you're going to see without a protective order that prevents this information from being made public. And it's not like a protective order is an automatic thing. It's you have to have grounds for it. Usually in cases like this, civil cases, the transcripts from the depositions that are taken in advance of trial are public documents and can be shared with the media. And Chris, you know what? If, if you're in Watson's camp, you could make the argument, although it's a delicate argument to make, you can make the argument that where's the, where's the rest? This is it. That's all you got. You got 22 people. How many, how many snippets have we seen of Deshaun Watson testimony in these cases involving 22 individuals where it can be painted as problematic for him? They, they think that the facts are on their side in most of these cases. And I think they would argue that if Tony Busby had a bunch of great evidence to show that Deshaun Watson was clearly in the wrong for multiple of these cases, he would have given it to USA Today as well. I, that, to me, that's kind of like one, one of the you know smoking gun issues here a little bit. I know a lot of people yesterday, and Mike, I, I do want to ask you this, was, was that a horrible admission Yesterday that he did that, and I, I, I was a little surprised by the, like, the reaction of social well, media. Like, that was it. Now, he's guilty. And I want to be like, I was a little more like you. Like, the, is, this, is this the best we're going to get here? Is this it? Right. Again, I'm not trying to be insensitive and anything, but I, I am a little surprised by that aspect as well. If you had that testimony in 22 different cases, I think it is problematic. It's problematic for the Ashley Solis claim because what in the world happened that would make her cry yeah. During right. and and make him acknowledge if you, uh, that there was some level of discomfort. What what would be what you so it, it when you couple that with her sure. claims sure. about what happened, it does make her case stronger. But you got twenty one others. And my point is this: from Watson's perspective, if there was problematic testimony that supported the case, they could say, "Well, where is it? It's not there." So 
you know, this this is you know we'll 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 defend this case as best we can, but we got 21 others, and we feel confident about those. It's it's just it's all a mess because at the end of the day, you're going to have 22 trials, and there had not been any expectation that these cases were going to be done before this season begins. Most likely, they're all going to be tried next year if they're not settled. And through it all, and we said this yesterday, it's time for the NFL to do something for the Browns' sake, for the fans' sake. For the opponent's sake, and a point I made last night too, you got seven sports betting partnerships now. Those sports books want to take action on the Browns. They're not on the board. Why aren't they on the board? Because the NFL hasn't made a decision yet. And all other reasons set aside, when you got these people that are paying you a crap load of money, I won't use the version that we used yesterday just in case, but when they're paying you a crap load of money, they kind of like to have maximum bets on the board. That's a business reason for the NFL to make a decision here. So yeah. I think I think something's coming sooner than later. I think it's I'm, I'm, next Friday. I think next Friday is when we find out. Gut, just guess, wild guess. Maybe they do it Thursday so it's not as obvious on Friday that it's part of the bad news dump before Memorial Day weekend. But they've got to, they've got to get this moving or it's not going to be resolved by the start of the season. Yeah. Let's take a break. When we return, in honor of the GROAT, greatest roast of all time, that will feature Tom Brady next year. The NFL figures we'd like to roast. We'll do that draft next here on this Wednesday edition of PFTY. Simsisms. Schematical wise. Awesomeness. Jumping over hoops. Soothed over. Cream of the class. I need that filter that he uses just like for my usual day-to-day voice. Somebody said, why are you going to war with the Browns? I'm not going to war with the Browns. I'm trying to help their fans. Like I need to put it on my phone. I need to put it on this microphone. I just did some research. I thought Dank was bad. Apparently Dank is good. Bengals, it's Bengals. It's not Bengals, you moron. I like being blocked. I'm a renegade, baby. It's just a great voice. It's just like a half click above Darth Vader. Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading that. Oh, there it is. It all comes back. That was good. I like your new voice there. I don't know. It didn't come out quite the way I wanted. I thought it'd be an octave or two lower. Um, Let's get to it, though. The Tom Brady, greatest roast of all time, inspires today's draft. So thank you, Tommy, for the idea. Chris, NFL figures, all time, past, present, future, if you would even prefer, uh, coach, anyone, player, whoever, who would you like to roast? Go. I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna start off with Belichick. I am. I mean, Belichick would just be. First off, I would love to see him. You know, he's got a little more personality and charisma than people realize. But I'd love to see him in that scenario. And then, man, I would have so much stuff on Bill Belichick. I'd, you know, I'd be, I'd be have a projector and like playing film and being like, you know, what were you thinking with this outfit right here when your hair was all over the place and you had a stain on the sweatshirt with half a sleeve cut off and the full sleeve cut off the other day? I would have so much fun with some of that and some of the answers he's given the media. I think he's the first guy I would like to roast. Wasn't there a day where he had? like a sweatshirt on where it looked like it looked like uh, uh rats had not holes in it yes too. like yeah. yes um yeah yes. It, it would be good it would be it would be interesting to see who the roasters would be who would show up and how far they would be willing to go would they unload on him the way they unloaded on michael scott that's what i would want to know i'll go i'll go jerry jones i think that's an obvious one i, I just think it would be hilarious to really peel back the curtain and have people who know him well share their various stories that would that would be an all-timer yes i i agree there'd be gosh that would be good i yeah, would definitely like to play a few snippets from some of his press conferences and too and go what did you mean by this you know where what are you talking about here because he's got some interesting ones for sure i challenge people to look that up um okay now uh mm, i'm gonna go with the cowboy an old cow. I'm going to go with Michael Irvin. I'd love to roast Michael That's Irvin. That's good. You know, because you know he'd be able to take it. He'd laugh. He's realized he's made some mistakes in life. He can deal with that. And I just feel like it would be perfect. I mean, again, that team, that personality, the personalities they have, we've talked about that before. And uh, he, I mean, hell of a player, intense, and then crazy off the field. He'd be, he'd be a lot of fun. Uh, you know what? In that same vein, and we were talking earlier about Boys Will Be Boys, Jeff Perlman's book about the Cowboys in the 90s. Put me down for Charles Haley. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all 
that's all we can say? No. We'll I don't I feel like we got to tell people. We got to tell we, them. We'll, we'll, we'll refer you to Boys Will Be Boys. Um, George Seifert may want to have a seat at the table for the. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's had too many seats desk. at the table. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Charles Haley crapped on George Seifert's uh, desk. Okay, everybody out there, if you want to. He crapped on his Allegedly. desk to get traded from the 49ers to the Cowboys. All right, I said it. It's out. <laughs> Let's take a break on that happy note. Enjoy your meal. Tip your waiter. We'll be Good back morning. to wrap up PMT Live right after this. All right, the uh, the head table at the roast has been cleaned off after Charles Haley and George Seifert had their encounter. Who else gets roasted, Chris? Man, I got, I got some good names here. I was thinking Terry Bradshaw, but I'm going to go another crazy guy that's like that from that part of the country, but this one's from Mississippi instead of Louisiana. Brett Favre, I think he's a guy I'd like to roast. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, first of all, I think he's another guy that could take it. He could dish it out. He'd be good when it was his turn to talk. But, man, you could go on a lot of different stories with Brett Favre. I mean, a lot. I'm not even going to go I'm there. not even going to start. I yeah, know. I'm not exactly. going to start. It'd be great he, for a it roast. Would be, yes. It would be fertile ground for a roast. It as would as would, as would uh, Aaron Rodgers. I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. That you did not pick Aaron Rodgers. I deliberately waited to see if you would. But I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm always, there's a part of me that's like, not, can he take it? I don't know. That's he can't was, take it. Right, that's what right. would make it even better. He <laughs> can't take it. I dare him to do it. Can you imagine if they went after Aaron Rodgers for some of the obvious things that we never really discuss here, but that are well documented about Aaron Rodgers that uh, I'll just leave it at that. That would make for one hell of a roast. Um, yeah. One hell of a roast. If it, it would not, it would not take a lot of time for the people to come up with their various bits as they go one after another up to the podium to say what they have to say. We have said all that we have to say for today. We'll do it again tomorrow if they let us. Sorry, we didn't have time to do the magic mirror, folks. But we know you're out there. We'll see you tomorrow. See have ya. a great day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.